Hello, and welcome to The Rainbow Chaser, colorful tales from a struggling actor. I'm Terry Power, and today I'm going to be reading from the section The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, Part 3. I had made an impression on the casting director and team, and over the next few days, my mother had to shuttle me to and from various spaces for the callbacks. I participated in more and more focused auditions that included not only singing songs from the musical, but dancing choreographed routines and memorizing and acting out lines from the screenplay. The final morning, the team was in Cleveland, I was called to complete a videotaped audition of me singing, dancing, and acting with the stuffed dog Sandy in the scene. My understanding was that I had been selected as a finalist, and the director and producers of the film would review the tapes back in Hollywood. I was ecstatic with the thought that I was going to star in the film, because in my mind it was fate. I was Annie. Although I was having the time of my life, my mother was struggling under the pressure. She was having to take time off work to chauffeur and chaperone me to appointments and spent long hours sitting in waiting rooms with seasoned stage moms. They inundated my mother with questions and comments about vocal coaches, dance schools, private tutors, agents, managers, contract lawyers, photographers, publicists, and makeup kits. It was a foreign world to her, and one sh that she knew as a struggling server without a high school degree could not afford to venture into. She was finding it hard to get her work shifts covered and pay for the gas so I could attend all the callbacks, let alone pay for headshots, dance attire, and a makeup kit. Looking back at this experience, I'm certain that being cast in the film as the lead actor in the early 1980s would have been a dream come true for me, but it would have been a nightmare for my mother. And so, when the day came that they were going to announce the winner of the role from amongst the finalists and Eileen Quinn from Pennsylvania was named, my mother must have let out a huge sigh of relief. I, on the other hand, was devastated and then went into a state of denial. When I returned to school, just after the announcement, all my friends came running up to me asking, Did you get it? Did you get the role? Are you going to play Annie? I had to say, Yes. Of course, that was a big mistake. However, once I had started the lie, I couldn't retract it, and I didn't want to. The children at my school cheered, and I became a celebrity on the playground. The rumors spread all across the school, and students in other classes approached me and asked for my autograph. 
I had volunteers to carry my books and escort me in the hallways. I had so many new best friends, it was dizzying. And they even fought amongst each other to sit next to me in the lunchroom. The best part of it for me was getting to talk about my favorite subject, acting. I repeated stories from my auditions and then invented new ones. Somehow, Carol Burnett and Albert Finney were in Cleveland, and I was rehearsing with them and having special dinners in exclusive restaurants by the Terminal Tower every evening. Soon, I told the students I'd be flying to Hollywood to film in the soundstage on the studio lot. When will that be? The students asked, and I said, every weekend. I made it sound so convincing that I began to believe my own lies. Then the awful thing happened that changed everything. I came to school in the morning as usual, and as all the students sat in their classrooms, including mine, the public address system came on for morning announcements. As normal, our principal recited the Pledge of Allegiance, and we stood mouthing the words with her, then sat at our desks. She made a few announcements that no one paid any attention to, paused, took a deep breath, and then excitedly declared, and our own very own Terry Power will be playing Annie in the Hollywood movie. Congratulations, Terry. How exciting to have a budding star at our school. Again, everyone cheered while I slumped in my chair, feeling the weight of my deception. I knew I was in trouble. The truth would have to be revealed and I owed everyone, including the principal, a big apology. But at 10, I had no idea how to admit my folly. I spent the rest of the day half pretending I was cast as Annie to all my new friends, half pondering how to reveal the truth. I walked home with several girls and was relieved when I entered my house. At home, it was just as it always was. There was nothing to pretend, no lies to face. Then that night, there was a knock at our door while we were sitting as a family at the dinner table. That's unusual, my mother remarked. I wonder who it is at this hour. My stepfather kept eating his chicken and mashed potatoes as she left the table to see who was at the door. My brother and I barely acknowledged anything was happening as we were engrossed in our dessert, our favorite, ice cream. My mother opened the door and standing there was a reporter speaking into a microphone and a cameraman that instantly started recording the scene. The reporter boldly launched into a speech and practically thrust the microphone into my mother's face, saying, We heard your daughter won the role of Annie in the movie. Can you tell us more about that? My painfully shy mother screamed and slammed the door. She turned to face me, spoon still in my mouth, and yelled, Terry! What the hell is he talking about? 
I couldn't swallow, nor could I speak. I looked at her petrified face and then burst into tears. My mother collected herself and then opened the door. She was shaking and quickly blurted out, I'm sorry, there's some kind of mistake. Terry didn't get the roll. Good night. She shut the door and then my parents spent the better part of the evening getting me to tell them what had happened. I admitted that I had lied to everyone at school and they insisted that I tell the truth when I returned to school after the weekend. I didn't know how to undo the lies, so my mother had an appointment with the principal, spent hours on phone calls to parents, and the truth was revealed to the community. By the time Monday rolled around and I returned to school, everyone knew I had lied about getting the part. Then came the fallout from my fictitious fame. The students hated me, even friends who were old playmates from before the lies, they didn't want to be associated with me. I was completely ostracized, bullied, and even threatened. On the third day of enduring public school persecution, a group of older school girls, older school girls told me on the playground at lunch recess, we know where you live. We're going to follow you home and beat you up. I believed their words so much so that I took scissors out of my school supplies box and tied it to my dress as a weapon to protect myself. The girls didn't follow me home and I was relieved when I stepped through the doors and was greeted by my mother with hugs and kisses. After she embraced me, she realized that I had an object dangling from my dress. She held it up noting that it was tethered by a string and attached to my dress collar. Terry, why do you have a pair of scissors tied to you? She asked in horror. I started to cry as I told her about the girls, the threats, the taunting, the bullying, the names, and the overall torment I was facing every day at school. That's it, she yelled. You're no longer going to that school. I don't care if we have to move. I've had it with this place. By place, my mother must have meant our apartment in the projects because not long after my family moved out of that area and started renting a house in a quieter and safer neighborhood in the western suburbs of Cleveland, less than then, uh, less than a year later, my parents were able, finally, to purchase their first home and I was able to attend a school where no one knew about me auditioning to play Annie and the lies I told about that time. However, years later, I would recall this story to fellow actors, writers, directors in the industry, and it became legendary, known as my Annie story it served to be an icebreaker in auditions and workshops. Moreover, in 2002, I wrote a children's screenplay about it called Little Star and shopped the script around writing agents in Los Angeles. Looking back at the experience all these years later, I can't help but to see, to really see it as a cautionary tale 
about the devastating effects of the industry on young actors. How was I, at 10 years old, going to deal with such a rejection? To understand that acting is a profession wherein you will repeatedly get within reach of your dream only to have it snatched away again and again. This is what I would learn during my time living as a struggling actor in Hollywood decades later. As an adult facing the continued disappointment, that just didn't get any easier. It just didn't rock me off my foundation of self. 